Welcome to the book summary of The Obstacle is the Way, The Ancient Art of Turning Adversity to Advantage by Ryan Holiday. This book was published in 2014 and weighing in at 224 pages. The book draws its inspiration from Stoicism, the ancient Greek philosophy of enduring pain or adversity with perseverance and resilience. Stoics focus on the things that they can control. Let go of everything else and turn every new obstacle into an opportunity to get better, stronger and tougher. As Marcus Aurelius put it nearly 2,000 years ago, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the, in the way becomes the way. Ryan Holiday shows us how some of the most successful people in history have applied stoicism to overcome difficult or even impossible situations. Their embrace on these principles ultimately mattered more than their natural intelligence, talents or luck. If you're feeling frustrated, demoralized, or stuck in a rut, this book can help you turn your problems into your biggest advantages. And along the way, it will inspire you with dozens of true stories of the greats from every age and era. If you like what you hear in the book summary, I strongly suggest you buy the book using the link in the description. So without further ado, I bring you the book summary of The Obstacle is the Way. Part 1. Perception Perception is how we see and understand what occurs around us and what we decide those events will mean. Our perception can be a source of strength or great weakness. The Discipline of Perception There are a few things to keep in mind when faced with a seemingly insurmountable obstacle. We must try to be objective, to control emotions and keep an even heel, to choose to see the good in a situation, to steady our nerves, to ignore what disturbs or limits others, to place things in perspective. To revert to the present moment. To focus on what can be controlled. This is how you see the opportunity within the obstacle. It does not happen on its own. It is a process. One that results from self-discipline and logic. Recognize your power. Through our perception of events, we are complicit in the creation, as well as the destruction of every one of our obstacles. There is no good or bad without us. There is only perception. There is the event itself and the story we tell ourselves about what it means. That's a thought that changes everything, doesn't it? Just because other people say that something is hopeless or crazy or broken to pieces doesn't mean it is. We decide what story to tell ourselves, or whether we will tell one at all. Welcome to the power of perception. Applicable in each and every situation, impossible to obstruct. It can only be relinquished and that is your decision. Steady your nerves. Regardless of how much actual danger we're in, stress puts us at the potential whim of our basier, fearful, instinctual reactions. But we're ready for that. We're collected and serious, and we aren't going to be frightened of. This means preparing for the realities of our situation, steadying our nerves so we can throw off the best of it. Stealing ourselves, shaking off the bad stuff as it happens, and soldering on. Staring straight ahead as though nothing has happened. Because as you now realize it's true, your nerve holds. Then nothing really happened. Our perception made sure it was nothing of consequence. Control your emotion. When faced with a stressful situation or obstacle, try having this conversation below with yourself and see how those extreme emotions hold up. They won't last long. Trust that. Does what happened keep you from acting with justice, generosity, self-control, sanity, prudence, honesty, humility, straightforwardness. Nope, then get back to work. Subconsciously, we should be constantly asking ourselves this question. Do I need to freak out about this? Practice objectivity. 
The phrase, this happened and it is bad, is actually two impressions. The first, this happened, is objective. The second is, it is bad, is subjective. Objectivity means removing you, the subjective part from the equation. Just think, what happens when we give ourselves advice? Their problems are crystal clear to us. The solution's obvious. Something that's present when we deal with our own obstacles is always missing when we hear other people's problems, the baggage. With other people, we can be objective. Take your situation and pretend it is not happening to you. Pretend that it is not important, that it doesn't matter. How much easier would it be for you to know what to do? How much more quickly and dispassionately could you size up the scenario and its options? You could write it off, greet it calmly. Altering your perspective. Perspective has two definitions. Context, a sense of the larger picture, not just what is immediately in front of us. Framing, an individual's unique way of looking at the world, a way that interprets its events. The difference between the right and the wrong perspective is everything. How we interpret the events in our lives, our perspective, is the framework for our forthcoming response, whether there will be one or whether we'll just lie there and take it. Where the head goes, the body follows. Perception precedes action. Right action follows the right perspective. It is up to you. Behind the serenity prayer is a 2,000-year-old Stoic phrase, what is up to us, what is not up to us, and what is up to us? Our emotions, our judgments, our creativity, our attitude, our perspective, our desires, our decisions, and our determination. This is our playing field, so to speak. Everything there is fair game. What is not up to us? Well, you know everything else. The weather, the economy, circumstances, other people's emotions or judgments, trends, disasters, etc. It's what's up to us in the playing field, then what is not up to us are the rules and the conditions of the game. Factors that winning athletes make the best of and don't spend time arguing against because there is no point. When it comes to perception, this is the critical distinction to make. The difference between the things that we are in the power and the things that aren't. That's the difference between the people who can accomplish great things and the people who find it impossible to stay sober. To avoid not just drugs or alcohol, but all addictions. Live in the present moment. It doesn't matter whether it's the worst time to be alive or the best whether you're in a good job market or a bad one, or that the obstacle you face is intimidating or burdensome. What matters is that the right now is right now. The implications of our obstacle are theoretical. They exist in the past and future. We live in the moment, and the more we embrace that, the easier the obstacle will be to face and move. You can take the trouble you're dealing with and use it as an opportunity to focus on the present moment. To ignore the totality of your situation and learn to be content with what happens as it happens. To have no way that the future needs to conform to your predictions because you didn't make any. To let each new moment to be refreshing, wiping clear that what comes before and what others were hoping would come next. Think differently. Our perceptions determine, to an incredibly large degree, what we are and are not capable of. In many ways, they determine reality itself. When we believe in the obstacle more than in the goal, which will eventually triumph. This is why we shouldn't listen too closely to what other people say, or to what the voice in our head says either. We'll find ourselves earing on the side of accomplishing nothing. Be open. Question. Through our course, we don't control reality. Our perceptions do influence it. Finding the opportunity.
Sports psychologists recently did a study of elite athletes who were stuck with some adversity or serious injury. Initially, each reported feeling isolated, emotional, disruptive, and doubts about their athletic ability. Yet afterwards, each reported gaining a desire to help others, additional perspective, and realization of their own strengths. In other words, every fear and doubt they felt during the injury turned into a greater abilities in those exact areas. It's a beautiful idea. Psychologists call it the adversarial growth or and post-traumatic growth. That which doesn't kill me makes me stronger is not a cliche, but a fact. The struggle against an obstacle eventually propels the fighter to a new level of functioning. The extent of the struggle determines the extent of the growth. The obstacle is an advantage, not adversity. The enemy is any perception that prevents us from seeing this. Of all the strategies we've talked about, this is one you can always use. Everything can be flipped, seen with this kind of gaze, a piercing look that ignores the package and sees only the gift. Prepare to act. Problems are rarely as bad as we think, or rather, they are precisely as bad as we think. It's a huge step forward to realize that the worst thing to happen is never the event, but the event of losing your head. Because then you'll have two problems. One of them unnecessary and post-hoak. The demand on you is this. Once you see the world as it is, for what it is, you must act. The proper perception. Objective, rational, ambitious, clean, isolates the obstacle and exposes it for what it is. A clearer head makes for steadier hands, and then those hands must be put to work. Good use. Part 2. Action. What is action? Action is commonplace. Right action is not. As a discipline, it's not any kind of action that will do, but directed action. Everything must be done in the service of the whole. Step by step, action by action, will dismantle the obstacle in front of us. With persistence and flexibility, we'll act in the best interest of our goals. The discipline of action. We've all done it, said, I am so overwhelmed, tired, stressed, busy, blocked, outmatched. And then what do we do about it? Go out and party, or treat ourselves, or sleep in, or wait. It feels better to ignore or pretend, but you know deep down that isn't going to truly make it any better. You've got to act, and you've got to start now. We forget in life, it doesn't matter what happens to you or where you come from. It matters what you do with what happens and what you've been given. And the only way you'll do something spectacular is by using it all to your advantage. Therefore, you can always greet our obstacles with energy, with persistence, with a coherent and deliberate process, with iteration and resilience, with pragmatism, with strategic vision, with craftiness and savvy, and an eye for opportunity and pivotal moments. Are you ready to get to work? Get moving. We must all either wear out or rust out. Every one of us. My choice is to wear out. Theodore Roosevelt. When you're frustrated or in pursuit of your own goals, don't sit there and complain that you don't have what you want or that this obstacle won't budge. If you haven't even tried yet, then of course you will still be at the exact same place. You haven't actually pursued anything. Just because the conditions aren't exactly to your liking or you don't feel ready yet doesn't mean you'll get a pass. If you want momentum, you'll have to create it yourself right now by getting up and getting started. Practice persistence. The thing standing in our way isn't going anywhere. You're not going to outthink it or outcreate it with some world-changing epiphany. You've got to look at it and the people around you who have begun their inevitable chorus of doubts and excuses 
and say, as Margaret Thatcher famously did, you turn if you want to, the lady's not for turning. Too many people think that great victories like Thomas Edison's inventor of the light bulb came from a flash of insight, that they cracked the problem with pure genius. In fact, it was a slow pressure, repeated from many different angles, the elimination of so many other promising options that slowly and surely churned the solution to the top of the pile. Their genius was unity of purpose, deafness to doubt, and the desire to stay at it. It's okay to be discouraged. It's not okay to quit. To know you want to quit, but plant your feet and keep itching closer until you take the impenetrable fortress you've decided to lay siege to it your own life. That's persistence. Iterate. In Silicon Valley, startups don't launch with polished finished businesses. Instead, they release their minimum viable product, MVP, the most basic version of their core idea with only one or two essential features. The point is to immediately see how customers respond and, if that response is poor, to be able to fail cheaply and quickly, to avoid making and investing in a product customers do not want. It's time to understand that the world is telling you something with each and every failure in action. It's feedback, giving you precise instructions on how to improve. It's trying to wake you up from the cluelessness. It's trying to teach you something. Listen, lessons come hard only if you're deaf to them. Don't be. Being able to see and understand the world this way is part and parcel of overturning obstacles. Here a negative becomes a positive. We turn what otherwise would be a disappointment into opportunity. Failure shows us the way by showing us what isn't the way. Follow the process. Okay, you've got to do something very difficult. Don't focus on that. Instead, break it down into pieces. Simply do what you need to do right now and then do it well and then move on to the next thing. Follow the process and not the prize. Excellence is a matter of steps. Excelling at this one, then that one, and then that one after that. Sabian's process is exclusively this. Existing in the present, taking it one step at a time, and not getting distracted by anything else. We want to have goals, yes, so everything we can do be in service of something purposeful. When we know what we're really setting out to do, the obstacle that arises tends to be smaller, more manageable. When we don't, each one looms larger and seems impossible. Goals help put the blimps and the bumps in proper proportion. The process is about doing the right things, right now. Not worrying about what might happen later, or the results, or the whole picture. Do your job, do it right. Everything we do matters whether it's making smoothies while you save up money or studying for the bar, even after you already achieved the success you sought. Everything is a chance to do and be your best. Only self-absorbed assholes think they're too good for whatever their current station requires. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and wherever we're going, we owe it to ourselves, to our art, to the world, to do it well. That's our primary duty and our obligation. When action is our priority, vanity fails away. We will be and do many things in our lives. Some are prestigious, some are wondrous, none are beneath us. To whatever we face, our job is to respond with hard work, honesty, helping others as best we can. We should never have to ask yourself, but what am I supposed to do now? Because you should know the answer, your job. What's right is what works. The Stoics had a saying, don't go expecting Plato's Republic. Because you're never going to find that kind of perfection. Instead, do the best with what you've got. 
Note that pragmatism is inherently at odds with the idealism of pushing the ball forward. The first iPhone was revolutionary, but it was still shipped without a copy and paste feature or a handful of other features Apple would have liked to include. Steve Jobs, the supposed perfectionist, knew that at some point you have to compromise. What mattered was that you got it done and it worked. Start thinking like a radical pragmatism. Still ambitious, aggressive and rooted in ideals, but also immediately practical and guided by the possible. Not on everything you would like to have, not on changing the world right now at this moment, but ambitious enough to get everything you need. Don't think small, but make the distinction between the critical and the extra. Think progress, not perfection. Under this kind of force, obstacles break apart. They have no choice. Since you're going around them and making them irrelevant, there is nothing for them to resist. In praise of the flank attack. Being outnumbered, coming from behind, being low on funds, these don't have to be disadvantages. They can be gifts. Assets that make us likely to commit suicide with a head-to-head attack. These things force us to be creative, to find workarounds, to supplement the ego and do anything to win besides challenging our enemies where they are strongest. These are signs that tell us to approach from an oblique angle. In fact, having the advantage of your size and strength and power is often the burthening ground for true and fatal weakness. The inertia of success makes it much harder to truly develop a good technique. People or companies who have the size advantage never really have to learn the process when they've been able to coast on brute force. And what works for them, until it doesn't, until they meet you and make quick work of them with deaf and oblique maneuvers. When you refuse to face them in the one setting they know, head to head. You're acting like a real strategist. You aren't just throwing your weight around and hoping it works. You're not wasting your energy in battles driven by ego or pride, rather than tactical advantage. Using the obstacle against themselves. Gandhi didn't fight for independence for India. The British Empire did all the fighting, and as it happened, all of the losing. Sometimes you overcome obstacles not by attacking them, but by withdrawing and letting them attack you. You can use the actions of others themselves instead of acting yourself. Every positive has its negative. Every negative has its positive. The action is its pushing through, all the way through to the other side, making a negative into a positive. This should be great solace. It means that very few obstacles are ever too big for us. Because that bigness might in fact be an advantage. Because we can use the the biggest against the obstacle itself. Remember, a castle can be intimidating, an impenetrable fortress, or it can be turned into a prison when surrounded. The difference is simply a shift in action and approach. Channel your energy. Instead of giving in to frustration, we can put it to good use. It can power our actions, which unlike our deposition, become stronger and better when loose and bold. While others obsess with observing the rules, we're suddenly undermining them and subverting them to our advantage. Think of the athlete in the pocket, in the zone, on a streak, and seemingly insurmountable objects that fall in the face of that effortless state. Enormous deficits collapse. Every pass or shot hits intended target. Fatigue melts away. Those athletes might be stopped from carrying out this or that action, but not from their goal. External factors influence the path, but not the direction forward. What setbacks in our lives could resist that elegant, fluid, and powerful mastery? To be physically and mentally loose takes no talent. That's just recklessness. We want right action, not action, period. 
to be physically and mentally tight. That's called anxiety. It doesn't work either. Eventually, we snap. But physical looseness combined with mental restraint, that's powerful. Seize the offensive. At certain moments in our brief existence, we are faced with great trials. Often these trials are frustrating, unfortunate or unfair. They seem to come exactly when we think we need them the least. The question is, do we accept this as an exclusive negative event or can we get past whatever negativity or adversity it represents and mount an offensive? Or more precisely, can we see that this problem presents an opportunity for a solution that we have long been waiting for? In many battles, as in life, the two opposing forces will often reach a point of mutual exhaustion. It's one who rises the next morning after a long day of fighting and rallies, instead of retreating. The one who says, I intend to attack and whip them right here and now, who will carry victory home, intelligently. The obstacle is not only turned upside down, but used as a catapult. Prepare for none of it to work. Perceptions can be managed, actions can be directed. We can always think clearly, respond creatively, look for opportunities, seize the initiative. What we can't do is control the world around us. Not as much as we'd like to, anyway. We might perceive things well, then act rightly and fail anyway. Run it through your head like this. Nothing can ever prevent us from trying, ever. All creativity and dedication aside, after we've tried, some obstacles may turn out to be impossible to overcome. Some actions are rendered impossible. Some paths, impossible. Some things are bigger than us. This is not necessarily a bad thing. Because we can turn that obstacle upside down too, simply using it as an opportunity to practice some other virtue or skill. Even it is learning to accept that bad things happen or practicing humility. We have it within us to be the type of person who try to get things done, try with everything we've got and whatever verdict comes in are ready to accept it instantly and move on to whatever is next. Is that you? Because it can be. Part 3. Will what is will? Will is our internal power which can be never afflicted by the outside world. It is our final trump card. If action is what we do when we still have some agency over the situation, the will is what we depend on when the agency has all but disappeared. The disciplines of will. Will is the critical third discipline. We can think, act and finally adjust to a world that is inherently unpredictable. The will is what prepares us for this, protects us against it, and allows us to thrive and be happy in spite of it. It is also the most difficult of all disciplines. It's what allows us to stand undisturbed while others wilt and give in to disorder. Confident, calm, ready to work regardless of the conditions, willing to be able to continue, even during the unthinkable, even when our worst nightmares have come true. It's much easier to control our perceptions and emotions than it is to give up our desire to control other people and events. It's easier to persist in the effort and actions than to endure the uncomfortable and painful. It's easier to think and act than it is to practice wisdom. Build your inner citadel. No one is born a gladiator. No one is born with an inner citadel. If you're going to succeed in achieving our goals despite the obstacles that may come, this strength in will must be built. To be great at something takes practice. Obstacles and adversity are no different. Though it would be easier to sit back and enjoy a cozy modern life, the upside of preparation is that we're not disposed to lose all of it. Least of all, our heads. When someone or something suddenly messes with our plans, it's almost a cliche at this point, 
but the observation that the way to strengthen it, an arc is to put weight on it because it bends the stones together and only with tension does it hold weight. It's a great metaphor. The path of least resistance is a terrible teacher. We can't afford to shy away from the things that intimidate us. We don't need to take our weaknesses for granted. Anticipation. Thinking negatively. Your world is ruled by external factors. Promises aren't kept. You don't always get what is rightfully yours, even if you've earned it. Not everything is clean and straightforward as the games they play in business school. Be prepared for this. If this comes as a constant surprise each and every time it occurs, you're not only going to be miserable, you're going to have a much harder time accepting it and moving on attempts number two, three, and four. The only guarantee ever is that things will go wrong. The only thing we can use to mitigate this is anticipation because the only variable we control completely is ourselves. As a result of our anticipation, we understand the range of potential outcomes and know that they are not all good They really are. We can accommodate ourselves to any of them. We understand that it could possibly all go wrong. And now we can get back to the task at hand. The art of acquiescence. Thomas Jefferson, born quiet, contemplative, and reserved, purportedly with a speech impediment. Compared to the great orators of his time, Patrick Henry, John Weasley, Edmund Burke, he was a terrible public speaker. His heart set on politics. He had two options fight against his sentence, or accept it. If someone we knew took traffic signals personally, we would judge them insane. Yet this is exactly what life is doing to us. It tells us to come to a stop here, or at some intersection is blocked, or a particular road has been rerouted through an inconvenient detour. We can't argue or yell at this problem away. We simply accept it. The way life is gives you plenty of work with, plenty to leave your imprint on. Taking people and events as they are is quite enough material already. Follow where the events take you, like water rolling down a hill. It always gets to the bottom eventually, doesn't it? Because A, you're robust and resilient enough to handle whatever occurs. B, you can't do anything about it anyway. And C, you're looking at a big enough picture and a long enough timeline that whatever you have to accept is still only a negligible blimp on the way to your goal. Love everything that happens. After we've discarded our exceptions and accept what happens to us, after understanding that certain things, particularly bad things, are outside our control, is this, loving whatever happens to us and facing it with unfailing cheerfulness. It is the act of turning what we must do in what we get to do. We put our energies and emotions and exertions where they will have real impact. This is that place. We will tell ourselves, this is what I've got to do or put up with. Well, I might as well be happy about it. We don't get to choose what happens to us, but we can always choose how we feel about it. And why on earth would you choose to feel anything but good? We can choose to render a good account of ourselves. If the event must occur, amu fati, a love of fate, is the response. Don't waste a second looking back at your expectations. Face forward and face it with a smug little grin. Perseverance. If persistence is attempting to solve something difficult problem with dog determination hammering until that breaks occurs, then plenty of people can be said to be persistent. But perseverance is something larger. It's the long game. It's about what happens not just in round one, but in round two and every round after. 
And then the fight after that and the fight after that until the end. Life is not about one obstacle, but many. What's required for us is not some short-sightedness focus on a single facet of the problem, but simply a determination that we will get to where we need to go, somewhere, some way, and nothing will stop us. We will overcome every obstacle, and there will be many in life until we get there. Persistence is an action. Perseverance is a matter of will. One is energy, the other endurance, and of course, they work in conjunction with each other. Something bigger, thank yourself. Sometimes when we are personally stuck with some irretractable or impossible problem, one of the best ways to create opportunities or new avenues for movement is to think, if I can't solve this for myself, how can I at least make this better for other people? Take it for granted for a second that there is nothing else in it for us, nothing we can do for ourselves. How can we use this situation to benefit others? How can we salvage some good out of this? It's not for me, than for my family or others, I'm leading all those that might later find it themselves in a similar situation. What doesn't help anyone is making this all about you all the time. Why does this happen to me? What am I going to do about this? You're all shocked by how much of the hopelessness lifts when we react that conclusion. Because now we have something to do. Embrace this power, this sense of being part of the larger whole. It is exhilarating thought. Let it develop you. We're all just humans doing the best we can. And we're all just trying to survive. And in the process, inch the world forward a little bit. Be strong for others and it will make you stronger. Meditate on your mortality. It doesn't matter who you are or how many things you have left to be done. Somewhere there is someone who would kill you for $1,000 or for a vial of crack or for getting it their way. A car can hit you in an intersection and drive your teeth back into your skull. That's it, it will be over. Today, tomorrow, someday soon. It's a cliche question to ask. What would I change about my life if the doctor told me I had cancer? After our answer, we inevitably comfort ourselves with the same insidious lie. Well, thank God I don't have cancer. But thinking about and being aware of our mortality creates real perspective and urgency. It doesn't need to be depressing because it's invigorating. And since this is true, we ought to make use of it. Instead of denying, or worse, fearing our mortality, we can embrace it. Prepare to start again. The great law of nature is that nothing stops. There is no end. We just think, you think you're successfully navigated one obstacle, another emerges. But that's what keeps life interesting. And as you're starting to see, that's what creates opportunity. Life is a process of breaking through these impediments, a series of fortified lines we must break through. Each time you've learned something, each time you've developed strength, wisdom, and perspective, each time a little more of the competition falls away, until all that is left is you, the best version of you. Passing one obstacle simply says you're worthy of more. The world seems to keep throwing them at you once it knows you can take it, which is good because we get better with every attempt. Final thoughts. You are now schooled in the art of managing your perceptions and impressions. Like Rockefeller, you're cool under pressure, immune to insults and abuse. You see opportunity in the darkest of places. You are able to direct your actions and energy and persistence. Like Demotheus, you assume responsibility for yourself, teaching yourself, compensating for disadvantages, and pursuing the right calling and place in the world. 
You're an iron-spined and possesses a great and powerful will. Like Lincoln, you realize that life is a trial. It will not be easy, but you will prepare to give it everything you have regardless, ready to endure, persevere, and inspire others. The names of countless other practitioners escape us, but they dealt with the same problems and obstacles. This philosophy helped them navigate those successfully. They quietly overcame what life threw at them, and in fact, thrived because of it. They were nothing special, nothing that we are just capable of being. What they did was simple. Simple, not easy. But let's say it once again just to remind ourselves. See things for what they are. Do what we can. Endure and bear what we must. What blocked the path is now the path. What once impeded action advances action. The obstacle is the way. And that's a wrap on book 81, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Follow us on social, search us on Instagram, hashtag bestbookbits. This summary is from the website paulminers.com. Watch previous video book summaries on our channel and support us by subscribing and sharing on social. If you like the video and want to buy the book, click the link in the video description to purchase from Amazon. Thanks for watching and hope you learned a thing or two. Have a great day.